battle continues along the boards. Tuck has worked out to Petrovic, and he scores! Petrovic beats Price. The Panthers take a 2-1 lead. This is a great play by Alex Petrovic. This episode of the Two Months Podcast is brought to you by Longball Athletics. Longball Athletics is a Canadian apparel company that specializes in athletic and lifestyle apparel and accessories. Each product is uniquely self-designed and built with enhanced technologies to hold up against all conditions. With the brand constructed on a foundation of high quality, integrity, nonstop performance, and exceptional customer service. It's cultivated representation across all major professional golf tours. The 2016 Olympics, by sponsoring the Malaysian Golf Olympics team, the Golf Channel, NBC, and Sports Illustrated. The long ball mission is to inspire athletes around the world to work hard and play harder, whether it's before, during, and after the game. Join the lifestyle today at longball.com by using the discount code PETRO15 to get 15% off your order. You won't be disappointed. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Months Podcast presented by Longball Athletics. I am your host, Joshua Marshall, with my other co-host, Ryan Petrovich. Petro, how's it going? It's going good, man. Just, uh, I was just watching some baseball here. Nice, nice. Yeah. Get some... Yeah, uh, game three is about to start here, so... I was going to say, I probably should be watching hockey, but... Yeah, yeah well, I think uh, we'll do some NFL stuff on the podcast, kind of lean it, jumping in when that season starts. I don't know, we could always, doesn't mean we have to, just because we like hockey doesn't mean we always yeah. have to do hockey stuff. We can always open up to different avenues. Um, but anyways, uh, just uh, want to let everyone know we got Ryan Rashog coming on to the podcast today so um that was pretty pretty great interview so hopefully everyone loves that and uh you know we uh maybe one day here we can get tony Barr and paul gazola and even brendan escott a couple guys three guys that play ball hockey but also cover the Oilers on a daily basis so unfortunately we didn't have any ammo for we didn't even ask for Shog anyways about Brennan Escott, but I guess we could have because he's, he's involved. So I do apologize to that if, uh, if Escott's listening. So, <laughs> but uh, we'll get Shog on next. We'll get him to chirp him again. <laughs> so yeah, we're fine to chirp. Shog but... likes to chirp, so that's good. Yeah, no, he gave it to me pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he's obviously on your side. He's not on my side. So <laughs> and everyone will hear that. Because they, they don't tweet garbage to people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you hardly tweet at all, which what well, to do. So. I tweet, I tweet, but it's it's to organizations that my brother played for, so I don't think that's very smart. But yeah, we won't get yeah, into well. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we're we we jump into things here real quick, and uh, before we get to the Rashog interview, but uh, what did you think of the uh, the game last night between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins? Uh. Ca- Carolina played better than they did in the first two games. Um, but again, I think I said it last week or last podcast there. Is I just think the Bruins are just too experienced, too deep. Um, I mean, Rask is playing unreal. Like, yeah, he's so lights out right saves. now. Yeah. If he keeps that up, they, they pretty much have the cup wrapped up in my mind. Like, yeah. you know, I just don't, the only thing that is weird is if somehow, if you, if you never know, just that big layoff. So all of a sudden they finish up whatever, if game four is tomorrow night, they finish up, and then if they get a good, you know, three, uh, a good, you know, five to seven day break, then yeah. I don't know if that'll be, if that's good for them or, or what. We'll wait to see on that front, but if the San Jose and St. Louis series go seven, but uh, it'll be interesting to, to see how that shapes up for them. And, you know, the Bruins are one of the organizations to cough up a 3 nothing lead. They did it against Philadelphia not too long ago. So, you know, so see what happens. It can happen. I just, again, I think. <laughs> the chances are very slim. It just, it yeah. has happened. It's just the thing is you need something that turns the series around. And the thing that turned that series around for Philadelphia and those guys was that was a hit 
Richards was late on Krejci that changed the momentum of that whole series, and mm-hmm. Philadelphia was able to kind of claw their way back and obviously win that series. But we'll see, you know, see what happens, and I'm uh, be interesting to uh, see what they what the Carolina Hurricanes do next game if Mrazek gets back in, and if he is back in, then you know, obviously Williams as a leader is kind of hurt his team a bit with some some costly penalties. So yeah, even I don't think even with even with those couple penalties, I don't think it really would have mattered anyways. No, no, probably <laughs> not. Right. No. So we'll see what happens. But yeah. uh, and then uh, obviously with game uh, game three kind of coming up here shortly with the Sharks, do you, uh, do you see how that one's going to shape up? I got the Blues winning this one tonight, and I think they'll still get the split there. They'll go back to San Jose. Uh, tied in my mind, but uh, is there any way the Blues can get two big wins on home ice here in your mind? Uh, I I saw a tweet earlier. It said, I think the Blues, they're under 500 in the playoffs at home. Um, they're like four or five games over on the road, so uh, I like the Blues. I still, I still think they're going to pull it out and Win. I think this goes at least six, maybe yeah. seven games. But I, I, I think I think, I think seven, they but... win. I think they'll win both. Yeah, that'd be interesting if they do. Obviously, they'll have a stranglehold on the series. But uh, yeah, I did. I, I I think they're better overall. I think they're more healthy overall. Like Carlson looks like he's just banged up. Like Eric Carlson. Like it'll be interesting to see what comes out out of that side after the playoffs is over for him. If it's this round or if it's after the Cup final. Um, to see what kind of injuries he's been playing with because he, he looks pretty banged up, but he's also playing pretty good too. But um, those, you know, those we'll guys are those guys, uh, him, Burns, Vlasic, it's almost like they're playing too much, yeah, right. And the yeah. Blues, they're just they're so deep, they can just it doesn't roll. seem like much, but an extra two, three, four minutes a game. Makes Especially a big difference. playoff hockey, yeah. Over yeah. seven games, that's that's a lot. That's well, Barube Ber- just changed his whole pairing is up, and that just was yeah. huge for them, right? Like their pairing, yeah. Some of their lines were changed up. So, um, all right. Well, you know, we want to keep this podcast a bit short. Kind of got long last few. So, uh, with that, we're just gonna head right to the uh, Ryan Rashog interview, and hopefully, you guys like it. And we'll be back with some uh, BHE news after that interview. This segment was brought to you by award-winning Pete's Concrete, where we pour sidewalks, driveways, patios, or we can build you a beautiful retaining wall with proper drainage. These can be done in a broom finish, exposed aggregate, stamp impression. Also, we offer urethane injection to protect your foundation from leaking. Built to last, Pete's Concrete, 780-940-3784. All right, we are now joined by Ryan Rashog from TSN. Uh, Ryan, how is it going? Rock solid, boys. Glad we were finally uh, finally able to line this up. We've been chatting about it for a long time and uh, finally made her work, so I'm glad to be with you guys. Yeah, I know. It's been been a long time coming, so it's actually interesting because the way it all opened up is kind of me talking to you about some, some stuff and, you know, with you doing some, some humble Broncos and then... Um, and then obviously I came at you on Twitter where you blocked me because I was at you. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. I, blo- I blocked you? Yeah. Cause I, Are you serious uh, right I, now? Yeah, I swear. <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, well, why am I well, doing this podcast? I'm out of here. What did you no, say to I'm, me? What happened? I'm trying you shouldn't to have told it. me that. <laughs> I, was, I wanted to wait till we got you on the pod for some good banter. But, uh, well, so now you're going to ambush me. So you invite no, me on no, your no. podcast. And then you ambush me in the first minute. This is not your, no. man, this is, this is classic troll job. <laughs> no, you can't. I came at you for your play by play a couple of years ago on the SO Cup and you kind of, we went back and forth on Twitter. And what did you, you say to me? me? Well, I just, I said that, uh, I didn't like, I, I was being an idiot at the end of the day. You're a great play by play guy. I was just oh, being yeah. stupid yeah. and I came at you and I just said something about you there's breaks in between when you're talking and then you came back at me and you're like, you know what? It's not easier than it. It's harder than it looks and harder than it sounds. And and the next minute I got blocked. So, <laughs> so hopefully <laughs> that's on uh, me. Like you did a, 
I think anyone would have blocked. That was an idiot. That was probably like three or four years ago. That's funny. <laughs> you know, we could do the full podcast just on Twitter and, oh, and my a... my evolution on Twitter. It's like this. It's this. I would call it a love hate relationship, but that's not yeah. even accurate. It's a hate and a hate even more relationship between yeah. me and Twitter. I I hate it, but it's yeah. it's a medium that we have to use to do our jobs. No, and no, uh, I... I'm trying to. I've learned some hard lessons on Twitter. Uh, I think a lot of people have. Yeah. And I'm trying to like, I'm in a phase right now where I'm trying to make friends with Twitter again. I'm trying to yeah. just be okay with it. Trying to wade out into the swamp a little bit, engage in conversations. Cause I went through a phase there after that Al Montoya stuff where, you know, I made a mistake and sent a tweet that was way more harsh than it should have been. Yeah. Uh, and people took it and ran so far with it, you know, accused me of saying he was mentally weak and this and that. And it was, just people go so far with things. And it was like, I took about a six, if you look at my Twitter timeline, it's like, there's about a six month hiatus where basically all it was, was lineup updates and breaking news. And that was it. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm in a phase now where I'm trying to make friends with Twitter again. So I'll tell you what, I won't hold it against you. Uh, <laughs> and we'll just try and proceed a, a nice clean start for Ryan and Josh. How's that? How's that? Yeah, sounds good. So hopefully I have like 45 minutes to maybe, get that block unblocked and maybe a follower are you are you still unblocked are you still yeah, blocked yeah yeah i had to create a burner account just to follow your updates you're kidding so i'm doing a podcast right now i've agreed to come on with somebody who i've blocked on twitter this yeah. might this might be a first i gotta do my research <laughs> yeah it's I, it's all good you're, Obviously, like I said to you, I, like, I look up to you. Um, the reason why I'm probably doing this podcast is because of a guy like you. So, you know, it, and I've been lucky enough to kind of exchange some notes back and forth with you uh, over the last month or so or a couple months here. And um, I think what you do is great. So and I apologize again for coming at you. So. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you 40 minutes here to redeem yourself. <laughs> And at yeah. the end of it, I'll let, I'll let you know my verdict, whether it's okay. stay blocked, unblocked. But you know what? I'm not going to yeah. promise that I won't just mute you. Uh, <laughs> I don't mute, blame you. Mute's yet. probably the best option for Josh. I know. I love mute. I, I've, I've gotten away from the block button. I just mute people because basically yeah. it's the equivalent of them standing outside my window, looking in at me, screaming their head off. But there's a windstorm and I can't even hear them. It's like, yeah. I can't yeah. hear you. Yeah, that's perfect. So, all right, we'll jump into some fun, another funny story. Maybe if you have about uh, some two two guys that we're familiar with is uh, uh, Tony Barm and uh, Paul Gazzola. We play ball hockey with them, and oh, yeah. them kind of coming. Obviously, them working around you, you know, with the Oilers and stuff like that is kind of wondering. Before we jump into anything, if you have any good funny stories about those two uh, individuals, funny stories. Well, no, I mean, I, I guess my first question would be. Um, like them playing ball hockey, did, did they do they wear helmets? Are their helmets involved in uh, ball hockey? You know what? Yes, there is. The, the weird part with those two guys, I I I'm very surprised because they're pretty decent looking guys like yourself, and you're in the media and you're on TV. No, you're just piling they, on. They, you're just sucking they, up now. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have some self respect. But uh, they just wear like the visor. They don't wear the full shield. I well, it's not so them. much their it's not so much their pretty faces that they're worried about. Um, yeah, it's their hair. And I wonder yeah, after that's... each game how long it takes each of them to get ready in the bathroom to come out for beers with the boys, because uh, I mean, especially Tony. Like Tony's hair is yeah. on point every single day. I've never seen a hair out of place on him. And, you know, for somebody, I mean, I've been on the beat. I, I get it. You got to dress in a suit every day. You're all grown up now, Tony, out of boy. Uh, every single day, every single hair is, is in absolute perfect place. So yeah. much so that it's, I almost want to reach over and tug on it just to make sure that it's real. So that would be my question is how much time he spends in the bathroom getting that quaff ready to go out to the, yeah. the bar with the fellows afterwards. I'm surprised. I'm surprised he would sully that amazing head of dark hair with a sweaty helmet at any point in time. You know, <laughs> yeah. As for, uh, as for Gazzola, no, I, you know, he, he, I've, he's grown up right before my eyes too. And it's really been something, you know, watching him uh, graduate from, you know, his, his puberty years into a full on uh, journalist with the Edmonton Oilers now. And uh, he wears sweatsuits to work. Um, basically like uh, they're, they're, they're like, 
They're kind of, they remind me of Sean Avery a bunch of years ago. I went into a story with Sean Avery and he showed up to exhibition games wearing like, like short suits and they're like, uh, but they were made out of like sweatpant material. So Paul always shows up in like, like it's right from Mr. Rogers closet are most of his suit jackets. If you can believe that. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. We have to chirp those guys. For that so. <laughs> well, I just did, but no, I, I love both those guys. They're great yeah. guys. Love having them around every day. And uh, yeah, they both do a great job. Tony's an enthusiastic, uh, enthusiastic little fella. And uh, just don't tell him that I complimented him. Okay, we will we'll for sure. Uh, so just to jump into kind of some hockey talk now, um, what was your over, overall thoughts on uh, the Ralph Kruger getting hired by the Buffalo Sabres? Yeah, today? interesting interesting hire. And I just saw uh, Pierre Lebrun tweeted the numbers. Looks like he's just under $4 million bucks a season. Like, yeah. wow. Let's yeah, see. Wow. Who else do we know with roughly 35 games of NHL experience that got handed a multi-year deal at four, almost $4 million? I feel like uh, Kruger got the Koskinen special here. Yeah, um, same agent, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not going to pile on to Ralph Kruger too much, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I think he did a good job when he was here. Um, I'm surprised that he got that term and that dollars considering his experience level. But he also has lots of experience as an executive and, and was pretty established, I think, in his, in his world. So it took some doing to get him to come over. Um, a couple thoughts on Ralph. He's a player's coach. He's an open communicator. He's got an open door policy, but he genuinely cares. And so he's the kind of guy that can unlock players with that attitude and with the way he treats them. And that can be important for a young team with young skill. I mean, you look at guys, you look at guys under Kruger, Neil Yakupov by a mile played his best hockey under Ralph Kruger. His career points per game was I think about 0.39 under Kruger. He was 0.64. Like he produced under Ralph Kruger. So, you know, I think that, Kruger has a way with players and that's important. Now, the other side of that is if you guys recall late in that season, the orders were in a playoff spot for a breath of about a day. And then they went on a run and lost nine out of 10 games. And through that stretch of nine losses in 10 games, I don't think Kruger did a good enough job of adjusting. I didn't see him making enough changes, trying to elicit change in his lineup. It was, he just kept beating his head against the wall, doing the same thing over again. And it cost him a playoff spot. I mean, the players cost him a playoff spot, but I don't think he was versatile enough in that time. And I think that played a role in him getting let go. Yeah. Yeah. I agree that, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how the, he, he shapes that roster out and how much change they're going to go through. Um, you know, I think, you know, Brandon Montour is a good defenseman that they picked up late in the year. Do you, do you see them pretty active this, uh, this summer, I know I suggest Skinner's gonna still that's still in limbo. But um, do you have any sense of what they could do or what you think could happen? What kind of numbers that Skinner could get? Yeah, well, I mean Skinner had a good year, right? He 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 lit it up, turned a lot of heads. People were really impressed. Um, you know where that number lands, I I don't know exactly where it'll go, but I mean Sabers the Sabers will have some room. And they'll they'll I'm, I think they're going to try really hard to find a way to work them in. Um, you know, as for the overall roster, it'll be interesting to me. You know, on the on the back end, kind of what they end up doing. The trade for Brandon Montour was interesting to me, you guys, because really, you know, with you know Bogosian a fixture for another year. Um, you know, with Rasmus Dahlin on his entry-level deal and just so, so good, really makes you wonder what the future is for Rasmus Ristolainen. And I think a lot of people expect Ristolainen get, to get traded this offseason. And he's an interesting player. You know, I, I spoke with some guys that cover the Buffalo Sabres earlier today, and they had an interesting take on Ristolainen, that he's not a player you want to give more minutes to, that he has trouble with the minutes they're giving him, keeping the quality of his play up. Now, it's just a couple guys' opinion, but... Um, the future of Ristolainen on the blue line might be of interest in Edmonton, but also just in, in that trade for Montour and what that signals. So that'll be something that I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Yeah, that's, it'll be uh, interesting for sure, summer for them. Um, we're just going to move on to Winnipeg right now. Sure. Um, they're obviously they're pretty tied up against the cap with a lot of RFAs. Do you think they're going to be moving anybody on their current roster to kind of free up some cap space? Yeah, well, they're, they're in a tough spot, right? Because the quality – I mean, lots of teams have players they have to sign. I mean, everybody kind of comes up against that. But, oh, my goodness. Kyle Connor, Patrick Laine, 
I mean, it, you know, it's ridiculous. Jacob Truba, all in one year, to have to negotiate your way through RFA contracts and extensions for players. Three players of that caliber, is, it's, it's a staggering feat that they're going to have to try and pull off. Now, Mark Shifley at 6.125 on the cap is an insane bargain. And they have helped themselves with that contract big time. Um, you know, Blake Wheeler, um, you know, also a heck of a good player, a deal that, you know, 8.25 is kicking in here. Uh, that definitely changes the, the, the dynamic as well. So chances are something is going to have to give. I don't know exactly what that's going to be. The other thing is Josh Morrissey is due after next season, and that's a real good player as well, someone that they're going to have to if they want to keep, and I think they will want to keep him in the fold. He'll be 25 at the time. Um, they're going to have to plan ahead for that as well. So something has to give. A lot of talk that maybe it ends up being a play like a player like Ehlers or someone like that who ends up being the, the person that they have to move so that they can find the room they need on the blue line. We'll see what ends up happening, but definitely they're in a tough position. It's enviable because they have so many good young players, but you look at the numbers that some of these guys are getting, you look at what Mitch Marner is going to go out and get and you know what, what, you know, it makes Leon Dreisaitl's deal look like an absolute steal, you know, at the, the money that he's at. Yeah, I was I was thinking about it last night, and I was like, man, if if Marner's gonna get say around ten million, you gotta think Line is gonna want close to even eight, eight and a half. Like he, he's obviously not, I mean, Marner good, but he's good enough to I think uh, get that kind of deal. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he's a really good player, and yeah. you know, he was up and down this year, right? He the one thing that he's really struggled with is consistency. And so if there was any of those guys that are RFAs and who need to get deals done, who both the team and the player might be in a headspace to go, all right, let's talk about a shorter term deal. Maybe Line and his camp feel like he's capable of more than what he has shown. And so they're not ready to ink that long-term deal yet. Maybe the team says to him, we need to see a little more for a little longer than what you've shown us. So maybe that's where, of all those guys, where you, you generally you want to get your own guys done to those eight-year deals if you want to keep them. Maybe line A is the one that's a little bit shorter and allows everybody a little bit of breathing room for him to kind of show them a little bit over a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. think, yeah. Yeah. I Like you were saying, I think they're going to have to move Ehlers. Like, Ehlers is making $6 million, and then you think Shifley's at six one. So I think, yeah, you probably have to move Ehlers out of there. Do you do you see Brandon Tanev? I think he's a UFA. Um, would that be obviously someone I think the others would target? But I don't know what his price range would be um, coming into this summer. Do you have an an idea, or or what, and would you put, uh, tag that guy as a player that you think Ken Holland will try to get? Yeah, well, I I like Brandon Tanev. Um, I like different elements he has in his game. Um, from what I can recall, I mean, he skates pretty well. Isn't afraid to throw the body around a little bit. Um, you know, 14 goals last season. So if, you, if we think back to last offseason and guys that were in that kind of 12 to 15, 16, 17 goal range, you know, those are, you know, those are $2 million players. You know, I think uh, um, Toby Reeder was in that range, I think, with a similar goal total. I can't remember exactly how many points Reeder had overall. But he's probably you, – you, you eyeball him as a bottom six forward that's going to be a couple million dollars. He's 27 years old, has good legs. Um, I think that's a player that the Oilers are interested in. But I just want to make a point here on the Edmonton Oilers. The reason that they would look at a guy like Brandon Tanev and think, boy, he would help and, you know, they could use him in their bottom six is because they traded Drake Kajula. So a player like Drake Kajula, who had 12 goals um, in fewer games last season, uh, he gets moved on, skates pretty well, isn't afraid to throw the odd body check. You know, by trading Drake Kajula and Ryan Strom, the Oilers put themselves in the market for Drake Kajula and Ryan Strom-like players. Two horrendously bad trades that were meaningless to the roster, hurt them badly, and now they're looking to replace those players in free agency. And that's why we're going to have conversations about depth uh, forwards and wingers that can skate and be physical and play in a bottom six role and chip in a little. You know, his game wasn't perfect, but that's precisely what Drake Kajula was. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. And they need some penalty killers here. And, you know, I know this, and we have the, with the podcast and with our affiliate, like our connection to Petrovic. And, you know, I, I that day I didn't mind, you know, they brought him in and maybe a change of scenery was good for him. And it just the Manning trade would just kind of, I just didn't understand it, why you had to do that a couple hours later when you had brought in Petrovic for some kind of depth. Um, do you see the Oilers kind of resigning Petrovic or is it kind of just a moving on and he'll probably have to sign something for a cheaper deal or maybe a PTO this, uh, yeah. this summer? Yeah, well, I'm the wrong guy on the podcast to be asking this. <laughs> I think we need to direct that question over to his family. Uh, that's joining yeah. us. I don't know what you want me to say. Like, uh, <laughs> Listen, I, no. I like I like Alex. Uh, I thought he, um, you know, I thought he acquitted himself well when he was given opportunity. Um, you know, I like his game and that trade. I I, I think uh, respectfully might have been around too high. Um, they yeah. might you know might have been around too high on the pick, but I didn't mind that 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 trade on its own. I was fine with it. Was the other one they made that day that just boggled my mind. Um, whether he fits or not they have some young defensemen who are ready to take a step. Caleb Jones is ready to take a step. Evan Bouchard's not, I don't think is going to be on the team right away this year, but they've got Lagesson, who's also played really well down there, Ethan Bear. So they've got a lot of good young players. Uh, the one thing that might hurt Alex's chances of uh, signing with the Oilers is Joel Pearson. Uh, he's a player they signed out of Europe. They signed him to an NHL contract and he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. And so I don't know that they'll hand out another NHL contract to another defenseman. Uh, it might be more along the lines of a PTO guy they're looking to bring in. And I would think that Alex will be looking for an NHL deal before, before he starts going down the path of a PTO. And there may be one out there for him. He's still fairly young, uh, big, skates pretty well. There's, there's game there. So somebody else might see that value. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think he, he's a good fit here anymore. I mean, last year, yeah, they needed a bottom six guy, but I think it's just time to move on. And like you said, they got, uh, they got person coming in. I've heard lots of good things about him and they got Jones and all those guys coming up. So I, I think this time's done here, which is, yeah, which is fine. I'm not, that's, it is what it is. It's the business, but yeah. I, I, he's a good guy in the room though. And he's been around the league and, and he's well liked by his teammates and the Oilers do need players like that in that locker room. So I liked that trade when they made it. Yeah. Um, I thought he was the right guy. I thought he, he shot the proper way and, uh, and was able to, you know, he, I thought he'd be a guy to be able to step in and, and, and pitch in and help. Now, that was at a time in the year, too, where, you know, they were kind of all over the place with their, you know, guys in and out of the lineup constantly, Hitch constantly making all sorts of changes. There was just no consistency. Very few players were given – much time to really try and get a foothold and those defensemen in particular they had so many options that if a guy wasn't playing well boom he was gone and who knew when he was going to get back in it wasn't a situation that was ideal for defensemen who maybe their confidence has come and gone a little bit to try and get a foothold yeah for sure do you and I know you were kind of talking about this towards the end of the year about uh, and I don't know if it was you that reported it um, about Matt Benning and maybe a Connor Brown trade um do you do you see that kind of being revisited in the summer? I just and I'm a as a Leaf fan myself. I just kind of think is two point you know one million for Connor Brown. That's pretty rich for a fourth line where they're going to be tough against like hard against the cap and tight against the cap. Do you do you see maybe them kind of, that trade kind of getting revisited or um, would you say Matt Benning would stay stay with the Oilers coming? Well, I think if Keith Gretzky were the general manager, that would absolutely be getting revisited, no question. He was aggressive in trying to acquire Connor Brown at the deadline. I think the Oilers are looking for players who, um, are, first of all, are the right kind of person, which my understanding is Brown is. There's a strong relationship there with Connor McDavid, which is important. Um, but if you look at his history, some of it's about opportunity at times. You know, so Connor Brown comes in and really in his first full season with the Toronto Maple Leafs, that's a 20-goal season. That's nothing to shake a stick at in today's NHL. And that was in 16-17. That was not that long ago. Follows that up with a 14-goal season. But think about all the forwards playing ahead of him, the good forwards playing ahead of him in Toronto. So if you're the Oilers, you're looking for players who can come in on reasonably decent contracts and punch above their weight if they're given a, you know, four through six wing position. 
And I think they view Connor Brown as somebody that potentially could come in and play with one of their skilled centermen and be able to bang in a decent number of goals and kind of be a bigger body. Um, that formula worked well with Zach Cassian towards the end of the year. So I don't know if Ken Holland's intention would be to. For sure it would have been Keith Gretzky's. And I think swapping out Matt Benning for Connor Brown, uh, fundamentally I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I, I, Benning's still a young developing player, and I, I still think that he has potential. But two seasons in a row, I haven't liked Benning's feet. And until he fixes that, he's going to have trouble breaking through and being an every night really consistent performer. And I think he needs to have an offseason where he really pushes, pushes it with getting his foot speed back up to where it was when he first broke in. Yeah, that's uh, well, he, he did a bit struggle later, earlier in the year, and then he kind of got a bit more confidence maybe late as the year was ending. And, you know, he obviously chipped in a couple points here and there. So it's definitely something to follow and st- sticking with their back end. Uh, you know, it's the, they're probably gonna have to do something and changing at least two of the two of the four regulars out. Um, do you see like maybe Russell or, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you trade Adam Larson for the value that he had, but or maybe a Sekra. Would how do you see that roster getting shaking down as we lead into the draft here? Well, I would be looking to move Andre Sekra, uh, and I would move him ahead of Chris Russell. Uh, I think that, you know, Andre Secker played well towards the end of the year. And there was a time when we were wondering if this player would be able to, you know, be an NHL player still moving forward. Um, came back into the lineup, played well, looked like he was moving well, moved well around uh, out there. Um, they're the same age, but Secker is a million and a half more on the cap. And I think that with his injury history, He's one bad twist or one awkward play away from, you know, a third lower body injury in the same number of years. So if his value is high right now, if he has a great world championship and it sounds like he's playing well, strong finish to the season, and you can move that contract without having to give up a whole bunch of asset for someone to take it, I would do it if I were the owners. I would move his deal ahead of Chris Russell's primarily because of the injury history and because I'm not as offended by Chris Russell as so much of the Twitterverse seems to be. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He's a heart and soul guy. And I know that you've kind of been on the, on, you know, waving the flag of the Tyson Berry bandwagon coming here. Um, do you, I know that there's many guys to target for, you know, possible of, of trade to getting that right shot defenseman that they need. Um, and it kind of ties into what, what they would do with that eighth, eighth overall pick. Do you think they, that is in play for that defenseman? Um, if, if I were the orders, I would have it in play for that defenseman, but it would need to be the, the right defenseman. You'd need to be bringing in the right guy and it would have to make sense. Um, you know, they're going to get a good player at eight and, and they need to build for the future and, and they're going to get a potentially a good forward at eight that, you know, in a couple of years, likely will be a regular contributor, and that matters. That's important. So I wouldn't be giving it away willy-nilly. You know, the thing about um, Tyson Berry, and I'm just switching over to Colorado here, guys, but I'm pretty certain that Tyson Berry only has one year left on his deal. Um, you cannot trade uh, assets like that for a guy who's unrestricted after the year. So you can kind of strike him off the list somewhat unless there's the potential to do an extension. And what does that number look like? Um, So, you know, Justin Falk is another one who his five on five game has really come around. And I think you need a mobile guy that can work that blue line on the power play can be a right shot. And, but you can't trade for a guy that's only got one year left on his deal. So it's, it's got to be the right guy and they need to be careful. So my guess is it doesn't get moved for that defenseman, but I absolutely would have it in play and be shopping around. Would you do it for Jared Spurgeon? Do you think there's a way they can get him out of Minnesota? Yeah, such a good player. Um, And what does he have left on his deal? I can't, uh, I can't remember. Maybe you guys can. I I, I don't know if maybe uh, Petra, you can pull that up. Yeah, Um, pull it up here. yeah, I can even take a look here as well. I yeah. mean, look, he's a, he's a good defenseman. Um, if given the exact same number of minutes and the exact same power play time start to finish through 82 games as Darnell Nurse, how many more points does Spurgeon have than Nurse at the end of that year? Same minutes, same power play time. 
The defenseman I would like to see the Oilers go get is a guy who could potentially get you 60 points. Um, now, Spurgeon had 29 assists last year, 14 goals, you know, 43 points in a career high. Like, you know, a good year for him, no question. And is he potentially the guy that can break out like uh, Matt Dumba did or like some of these other guys like Tyson Berry did eventually and push from being that 40-point guy to suddenly that 60-65 point guy? That's the player you need to go out and find. So maybe. Um, do we know what he has on his deal, though? Because, again, that, that matters tremendously. Yeah, two two more years, or actually, no, he's only got one year now at uh, five point one. Then he's UFA as well. Exactly. So yeah. again, yeah. you got to be so careful about trading for guys that don't have contract left, and definitely you're not moving an eighth overall pick. The one thing uh, I think it was maybe Gregor and I were discussing the other day about what it would cost, what you would have to combine with the number eight pick to push yourself up to three. And draft Bowen, Bowen Byram. Yeah, I, I heard you guys talk about that yesterday. And, and, I, and I wonder that. what – I mean, those trades very rarely ever happen. But I wonder what you would have to attach to the number eight to make that happen. Yeah, and I know Nuge's name kind of came up when you guys were kind of talking there yesterday. Yeah, that's too much know. for me. Yeah, too much. yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I agree with that. And I don't know – who knows where Poli RV stands with, with uh, you know, Ken Holland coming in and you have a new coach. But uh, – I just don't know what that what that big piece besides the the eighth pick that you can send over that way. Yeah, know, well, it, if it were Pooley Arby, I'd do it in a heartbeat. You said give yeah. us Pooley Arby, and we'll. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's any way that they would do that, but um, yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. It's just, it's just like those trades are very rare. It's hard to trade up into the top three or four, especially in a draft where there's separation. You know, we just don't see it happen a whole lot. No, but. You never know, and it's probably worth the conversation because, by all accounts, this Byron kid might be ready soon, and it sounds like he's going to be pretty special. And to have, you know, Evan Bouchard and Bowen Byram as your linchpins with Samarukov also on his way. Yeah. Uh, Jones, like, the Oilers D is looking like it's in pretty decent shape, even, you know, even without uh, a trade for Bowen Byram. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's, that would be, uh, interesting if they can make that work you know ken holland obviously loves his puck moving defensemen so um are you hearing any any new names or anything on the oilers front for head coach or is it still kind of dave Tippett? and then you know the list kind of just goes down as as follows well one thing i've learned over the years is that when you hear something as early as we heard dave Tippett's name in this process there's usually a reason for that and so, you know, we heard Dave Tippett before Ken Holland even had the job. Like it was, yeah. it was like if Ken Holland gets the job, then Dave Tippett is has a good chance of being the guy. There's a reason why we hear those things. So I don't have any more information than anybody else. I don't have any any inside knowledge at this point. I just have a gut instinct, and my gut instinct tells me because so early on in the process. Um, all signs pointed to him um, that it feels a little bit fait accompli. Now, you got to put a contract in place. You got to you know figure out how much money the owners are spending lots already on Ken Holland and, and Peter Shrelly not to work for them. Um, how many management changes are they going to make? What is their budget internal budget look like? How much can they spend? Because you know maybe you could go get Tippett. Look at Kruger's deal that he just signed. You telling me Tippett's not going to get four million bucks? with looking at what Ralph Kruger just signed and, and, and are the Oilers okay with paying that? And what's the difference between him and say Todd Nelson, who would probably be significantly less money than that. And is, you know, is that worth it to the organization? So there's probably still some hurdles and some things, but in my experience, when you hear something reported uh, early on like that, there's a reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Do you, uh, with, with them, you know, the changes that could possibly happen. Is there, you know, with him coming in, is there, I know there's been a lot of speculation of guys that will stay and will go. Um, do you see the pro side and the amateur side kind of staying as is for the year? And then maybe next year there'll be some movement on that front. You mean just as far as the, the setup with scouts and staff and all that and yeah. assistant GMs and all that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, Holland is in the middle of that process right now. One thing I'll say is that, I think if people assume 
that he's going to go in there and just carve out anybody who ever played for the Oilers and just, you know, turf them. I think, I don't think Ken Holland necessarily is, it feels like he has to do that. I think he's been told that he has the ability to do whatever he wants. And I think he's been around long enough and is smart enough to just make his own decisions. So I think he's going to talk to Craig McTavish and, you know, find out what his role has been and what he's been up to and, you know, have hockey conversations with him and get a sense for what his rapport is like with Matt T. And then Ken Holland will make a decision based on how he feels, not about, you know, history and, and, and fan sentiment. I think he's just going to do what he feels he needs to do. And I think there will be change. There has to be. I think we'll see changes on the pro scouting side. I think they have not been making good trades for a long time, and that's a problem of pro scouting. I think we'll see changes on that front. Um, I don't know that much will be done on the amateur side. You know, It's been trending in the right direction on the amateur side. And Keith Gretzky has been spearheading a lot of that. So I think it's a mistake if they move on from Keith Gretzky. Uh, I think he's a smart guy, and I think he's built his own career, never mind his last name. I think he's done a good job and has good ideas. Um, I think Ken Holland's going to make his own decisions, not worry about public sentiment. That's what he's being paid a lot of money to do. Yeah, that's uh, – are you on board for, obviously, that hiring? Like, did, what was your – you know, I, to me, I was kind of skeptical, but I think with this press conference – um, it kind of won me over as a, as just a fan of hockey in general, you know, and us living in this market, um, I, we have to live with it now. They've already made the, the hire, but do you, were you pretty, pretty happy with it? Or was there someone else that you were kind of surprised that they didn't take a harder run at? The one person I would have hired, uh, ahead of Ken Holland would have been Kelly McCrimmon. Um, and so, you know, he's had a recent track record of tremendous success and played a massive role in building that franchise. It was basically a co-general manager. Uh, and I think when that path dried up for them, they circled back and went hard at Ken Holland. And I'm okay with that. Guy has decades of experience. And in that interview, Bob Nicholson would have asked Ken Holland, what have you learned over the last five or six years? You know, what, how do you explain the direction the Red Wings have gone in and the decisions you've made and, and give me a sense of what, you, you know, what your thought process has been? And Ken Holland would have answered all those questions to Bob Nicholson, similar to the way he answered them in the press conference, I'm sure. And when you hear those answers, you go, okay, first of all, this is a guy who seems hungry and seems like he really wants to do the job still. Second of all, he seems like a guy who's confident enough to admit when he's made mistakes and to learn from those mistakes. And third of all, I, you know, he seems to have um, the ability to work with people. And when you have the ability to work with people and you don't just huddle in a corner by yourself, hoarding all the information and making the decisions in a bubble. Um, I think he gave Bob Nicholson every indication he needed to feel confident that there was lots left in Ken Holland. So if Kelly McCrimmon were there, I would have grabbed him. He wasn't there. And I think Holland was a good hire and a good pivot. Yeah. I like the Holland. Kind of switch. It was smart. The orders here. Uh, with kind of happening in Calgary as their season ended pretty abruptly? Yeah, good question about the Flames. I mean, it did end abruptly, and it was disappointing. You know, their their goaltending held, which was interesting. You know, I think that was kind of the biggest question that we all had about it when the playoffs began was would their goaltending hold and what was that going to look like? And – and at the end of the day, you know, it was, it was decent for them. So, you know, they've got some decisions to make on that front. Mike's, Mike's missing unrestricted free agent. <clears throat> you know, David Riddick is there, uh, but he's a restricted free agent. The big fundamental question that Flames fans, I think, are stressed out about is the performance of Johnny Gaudreau in the postseason and wondering if a player like that, who is so brilliant through 82 games, can function and win with the way playoff hockey is played in the NHL. And I think there's a, you know, maybe a, a, a small stress among Flames fans having witnessed what happened this year. Um, I think you stick with a player that's that talented and you let him learn from his mistakes. You let him learn from these lessons and you hope that, that he did. Um, such a good player. And I think that, you know, 
one assist in five games will sting him after a 99-point season, and he'll learn those lessons and be better next time they have a chance in the playoffs. Yeah, um, and uh, kind of finishing up, uh, Petro, do you have anything about the Panthers you want to touch on? I was just Uh, curious if you – obviously, they're rumored to get Bobrovsky and Panarin, but do you think that if Bobrovsky is going to sign a fairly big deal, do you think they're going to have to move Reimer out of there? And do you think that Oilers would be interested maybe going with the tandem, say, Reimer and Koskinen? I know Reimer's cap is a little high. It's around $4 million, but – you get two decent goalies instead of kind of just one and then a cheap backup? Or do you think the Oilers would pro- – or I guess we'll stick with the Panthers. Do you see them moving one of their goalies to sign Bobrovsky? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, a, a 309 goals against average, um, 900 save percentage, and his cap number, all those things combined, and it's not – you know – He's not exactly standing out as the right guy you have to go and get. If you're taking mm-hmm. him on, it's because you're moving something out. You're giving them a contract that you're not a huge fan of. And it's for two more years. So, you know, I think, you know, as far as it goes for the Oilers, I, I think there would be other targets ahead of him. And I think that would be spending a little bit too much. Just keep in mind, guys, every dollar they spend on a backup goalie, is a dollar less they have to spend on a free agent winger to help out Connor McDavid. They got to yeah. figure this goaltending thing out, but they're already pot committed on Koskinen in a fair amount. So they're going to have to hope that he can play at a high level and they can spend some money bringing in a guy that can can help out. But I don't think they can go spend three and a half, four million bucks on a plan B in case Koskinen doesn't work out. They've committed to this guy. And that's less money for a guy that'll be on the ice. 19 minutes a night playing with Connor McDavid. So I think they need to be careful. You know, as for the Florida Panthers, I mean, yeah, if, if that deal is cooked and Bob is heading there, uh, you do whatever you got to do. You move whoever you got to move. You make space and find a way to make that deal happen. Um, you know, he's gotten through some of his demons. He's had a good playoff performance. And I think he's a valuable goaltender that can, can help them take a step. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah I, I like him for sure. But uh, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I just wonder what Robert Leonard would get you. I know we like on Ryan and like Ryan Petrovich and I were kind of talking about that on our last podcast of where that would kind of go and what kind of dollars he would see. And I don't know if the Oilers would be interested in. They probably don't have the money to kind of get what he's probably going to ask for. No, no, they, no, they don't. Um, I mean, you, they can't. They've already yeah. they've given that money to Koskinen. And guys, when understand when when Leonard or when they signed Koskinen, they did it because they looked at the free agent market and said, huh. What are the options going to be in the offseason? They look squarely at Robin Lehner as probably option one. Well, what are the chances you're going to be able to sign him? And what's the guarantee that his numbers are going to be that much better than Koskinen's next season? Now, they may be, but that's two risks. One, are you sure he's going to be a lot, a lot better than Koskinen because he's going to cost you more for sure? And two, do you think you can get him? Okay, well, who's plan B? Barlamov? Well, look at the way that's gone. Okay, well, what's plan C? You work your way down the list, and you actually realize Koskinen wasn't a bad option to bet on. They just bet too much. They just spent too much and should have negotiated harder and not given him as much as they gave him. Betting on him wasn't necessarily the dumbest idea based on the market. They just spent too much on him. So Lehner will be, you know, he'll be $5 million bucks plus probably. Someone will give him that, and it'll be a good opportunity for him. Yeah, either, either way, they're... They're in trouble with their goalies. I know that. They gotta. They gotta. I don't know. I don't know what they gotta do. <laughs> it's, 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 like you said, they spent they spent too much on Koskinen, and now they can't really get a decent backup if he doesn't pan out because they yeah they don't have the cap space. Curtis McElhinney is a guy. Maybe they they you kind of see come here but maybe he just stays in Carolina right so well the issue with McElhaney and I I would view him as a legitimate option the issue is he may have played his way into a second year Um, and that's a little bit of a problem just given his age Uh, but I would still consider it even if it did involve a second year on Curtis McElhaney Um, ideally it would be a one-year deal you know pay him what you gotta pay him Um, but I think they're gonna need that that second year now you know 
you could view the Oilers' backup role this year as a placeholder for Shane Sterrett while he worked his way through in the American League and got more experience. Now, he had a tough run in the playoffs here, and we'll see what happens and how he looks. But is he trending towards being able to be in the NHL maybe, maybe after next season? And so maybe in an ideal world, the Oilers can put a one-year goaltender in place. But we'll see. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll finish up on that. We've kind of gone 45 minutes here. So uh, we appreciate you the time and hopefully I want you over. So on the getting on. Yeah. You know, I think, I think Josh, I'll I'll probably unblock you. I can't promise. I'm not going to mute you. I'm going to give you like a day or two and just see what kind of, what kind of crap you're tweeting. And if it's, if it's worthwhile or not, uh, may block okay. you, Ryan. hundred uh, percent for sure. You're you're not going to be blocked and muted. You're good. You and I are good. Perfect. And uh, <laughs> yeah. So no, this was this was fun, guys. I appreciate you having me on, uh, even though Yam even no, though Yam bushed me at the start, but uh, it's all yeah. good. No worries, and we appreciate you coming on. And uh, I guess maybe the last one to follow up is how your how's your summer looking? I know you were pretty busy with the humble Bronco stuff last yep. year, and. Didn't really get to see you much on the TSN CFL side, but uh, is there more coming on the Humbles side on some documentaries and and uh, anything on that front? And then how's your summer looking? Yeah, summer summer's looking pretty good. I think you know that the one year anniversary and the release of our main documentary, um, I think was um, I won't call it a finish line because we'll never stop covering this this story. But I think as far as our major, major projects, um, you know, that was the one that we'd spent through our heart and soul and everything we had into, um, you know, really, really tough stuff. But we were happy with the finished product. So um, don't have anything on the go uh, with Humboldt right now, focusing on uh, on hockey. I'll be heading out to the Stanley Cup final here right away. And then uh, I'll be on the Eskimo sidelines a little more this summer than I was last summer. But looking forward to some time off, some time with the kids, enjoy the weather, a little football. And uh, looking forward to a positive summer, boys. All right. Sounds good. Um, will you be – it's his last one. Are you going to be at the TSN uh, 1260 golf tournaments? So, yeah, good question. Yeah. I, um, it depends on – And the it, reason why I ask Yeah, it depends on is, the cup final sorry, and, and if uh, – maybe I can't remember which date it is. So I, I, I'm hoping to be. If I'm, if I'm in town, I'm going to be there. Okay. Because uh, one of our sponsors is a golfing apparel company. So uh, – if uh, you're going to be there and I don't know how much you golf, we could, uh, we'll talk to them and get you some set up with some hats and shirts and some pants here. If you're uh, okay with that long ball athletics is the, is the company. So they're Alberta owned and then they kind of have a company out in, uh, in Winnipeg too. So they branched out there. Nice. Um, so it's our main sponsor for our podcast. So I know drag, we got Drager set up with some stuff. So if you're uh, want, wanting, we can get you set up too. So. Well, you definitely just earned yourself a follow. So uh, actually, well, there I'll, we go. You, I'll, I'll wait till it happens. You get me hooked up with golf swag because sports reporters love yeah. golf swag. That's like a universal yeah. truth. I'm not surprised that Drager <laughs> managed to pull some swag out of you. That's his drill if you, if you follow his Twitter feed. Uh, so, yeah, you make that happen, and I'll throw you a follow back. Okay, sounds great. Uh, <laughs> Once again, we appreciate the time, and we'll uh, we'll try to get you on again before the year's out, uh, maybe leading into the draft or free agency. So, all right. Um, so, thanks, thanks again, Chogger. Uh, yeah, no problem, Josh Ryan. Thanks for having me on. You guys take care and enjoy your summer. You too. Thanks. You thanks, too. Bye bye. The Two Muts Podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a ticket company where you can get tickets for any kind of shows, concerts, theater or sporting events. If you need any kind of tickets, SeatGeek is there to help you and 100% guaranteed. Use promo code 2MUTS to get $20 off your purchase. That was another uh, great interview uh, that we were able to bring you guys. Uh, We uh, appreciate Ryan Rashog joining us. Uh, what were your thoughts of that interview there, Petro? Awesome interview. Uh, I've always liked Rashog. Always listen to him in the mornings when I can on the mandate and stuff on twelve sixty. Yeah, uh, yeah he's... he's he's smart. He knows what he's talking about, and I don't know. He, he gets it. You know what I mean? Some of them, yeah, they get on their their I guess their opinion, and they don't kind of back away, or they think their opinion is the only way to go. 
but I think Shaw. He does, yeah, he doesn't have fair. a problem. Yeah, he, he's very fair. He doesn't have yeah. a problem admitting when he's wrong. He does not, yeah. you know, he's open to a debate and a healthy debate. So, you know, it's uh, it. It was an honor to bring him on and be able to interview him because definitely a person I look up to. As I was mentioning in in the interview, is that you know guys like him and that uh, that mean a lot for me that are you know, doing what we're doing as a podcast. And, you know, it's great to see guys that we know personally through ball hockey circles and whatnot, like Tony and, and Paul, and, you know, even now Brendan Escott, like these guys kind of part paving their own path into their own career and them just getting started. So it's, you know, they're good people too. So it's, you know, it's nice to kind of interact and chat with them and, and, you know, see them kind of their dreams coming true, covering their local teams. I know, I know Brandon Escott's from BC, but, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of doing it all right now with, with 630 Chad and covering the Oilers and then also covering the Sherpa Park Crusaders. And then you got Tony who's, you know, grinded it out and he's in his dream job and I'll probably say the same for Paul Gazzola too. And obviously, you know, the Gazzolas through growing up, right? Yeah, I played against them uh, ice hockey growing up all the time. Then a couple Northside kids, a couple beauties too. Great family. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like you said, good to see that they're kind of making it, I guess, making the big time. And, you know, and like you said, they do a lot. I know the, uh, I believe it's Sonny Brar as well. I think that's Tony's brother. Yeah. 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 Like yeah, I know he does yeah. the, the clothing yeah, drives and stuff. Yeah, you know what? Like that. That, I've always said it too publicly. Like they're that family is the, the Bar family is really uh, they're great. They're just great people. You know, they yeah. come from great parents, and um, you know they're willing to give anything off their back to someone else. And they're always you know doing charitable charitable donations, and you know very uh, very humble humble family. So yeah. you know, yeah. So I hope uh, I don't know how it works. If I'd love to get you know. Tony and Paul and even Brendan Escott on the podcast sometime here to do like a round table with those three, you know, with their, yeah. with yourself too. And, you know, us, us five kind of just chatting about their careers and we'll see if, you know, their, their work and all that, and if they're able to or whatnot. So hopefully, you know, we can chat about ball hockey too. So, yeah. um, and speaking of ball hockey, uh, you have the newest, uh, edition of the, uh, Long ball athletics slash BHE three stars of the week. Um, you want to run those down from the third star down there, Petro? Yeah, they uh, just hot off the presses here. Uh, so we got for the first star, we're going with the goalie, Sean McFall. And I'll say this if I butcher your last name, <laughs> just tweet me and tell me how to say it because I'm absolutely, I can't. Our family doesn't even know how to say our last name. Is it Petrovic, 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 you know? So I'm brutal <laughs> with last names. Anyways, first star goalie, Sean McFall from Div 7 Silver Kings. He went 2-0, and and he had a shutout as well. Uh, for our second star, we're going with Mike Holden from the red line in Div 2. He had five points this week, four goals, one assist. And for the third star, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, from the Div 10 Huskies, uh, I mentioned it last podcast, they had a couple uh, – I guess, ladies or females that play on their team. So we're going to give them the third star of the week. That's uh, Randy Nettie and Laura Lineker. And again, they're from the Huskies. And that's just, uh, that's kind of like one of those, I guess, heart and hustle awards uh, for the ladies to come out and play, even if it is Div 10. It's it's still tough. I, I can imagine it's tough. And I'm sure they get the chirps and all that. But and they're they're pretty good too. Like don't kick yeah. yourself. They, they got points and they're good hockey players. So yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll be around the rink here, Petro or myself. Uh, we'll be handing out your guys' awards yeah. to you this week. And if we don't catch you this week, we'll catch you early next week. Uh, so we'll look at your schedules and make sure that uh, we are around to do that. So we appreciate you guys taking the pictures of those awards, wearing the hats, and uh, anything else that we give you, and just. Uh, Posting on your Twitter accounts and, uh, you know, tweet at us and tweet at Longball. Um, can't uh, thank Longball enough with our partnership with them. And then obviously we, uh, as everyone knows now, uh, we just 
did the ad read there with Pete's Concrete. So that's a new sponsor that just joined on joined on with us uh, this week. So uh, if you guys are looking for any kind of concrete work um, or even deck work to build some decks or build some fences, those guys will take care of all your needs there. So um, give Pete a call. Just tell him the Two Months Podcast sent you, and you guys will get your uh, your Two Months pro- pod, uh, Podcast uh, pricing. Um, so we're looking forward to uh, to that partnership all, along with uh, Long Ball and uh, BHE here. So, and uh, kind of before we let everyone go here, um, just kind of keep this short. Is uh, we'll be moving the BHE podcast to Sundays, and then we'll be doing the interviews with uh, the media types and uh, all that during the week. So, uh, so we'll be going to two podcasts a week here and. Uh, so look forward to, to that coming out here in the next week or so. Um, I don't know if you want to add to anything to that there, Petro. Uh, yeah, not much. Just like you said, uh, we'll be going to Sundays for the BHE stuff. Um, the, the, it's more for kind of like with the work schedule. I work yeah. the weekends, so it's tough to get off during the weekends and say, do like an interview with Rashog or Dragger. So during the week is easier for them and, and for me, so that's yeah. We'll be doing the BHE stuff. It'll come out either Sunday or either Monday, whatever day that is. And, yeah, so uh, just go, go through yeah. the editing, and then obviously with uh, we'll have Darren Dreger on at the end of the month here, and then uh, we're gonna have Ray Ferraro on in June. Uh, so those are two two, and we'll also have Darren Dreger on in June too, and then uh, gonna try to work on something special leading into the draft and free agency. Um, with kind of a round table so we'll be working on that and have some details coming out there um, but uh, again we appreciate all the support that everyone's been giving us over the uh, over the times that over the last few months here with the podcast it's gaining some good traction and uh, just some good hockey talk and uh, looking forward to uh, talking to these guys down the road here and breaking some more news and Hopefully by the time we get some of these guys on, the others have their new coach and can uh, chat about that. I was kind of surprised what Ralph Kruger got, you know, even more after talking to Rashog there. You know, I was kind of surprised for a guy that hasn't coached in five years. The, the yeah. money he got was kind of, you know, I only got a three-year deal, but, you know, we're almost around $12 million a year. That's pretty, you know, I wonder what the hell Dave Tippett's going to get if he's uh, – Oh yeah, Rashog told me told us that, and I was just like, yeah. like what? Like, yeah, when he broke four million pod, total yeah, or four was, million a season. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. very surprised. I, I thought like, for sure. Wow. Like, so obviously, with the Babcock and uh, Coach Q's money kind of yeah. elevating the scale for coaches, you know, even I guess there was reported today that reports came out of how Todd McCollins deal and in LA worked out too, like five years, like over just over $5 million bonuses. Like that's, you know, the guy went from making 3.5 million here to getting a $1.5 million raise with bonuses. In, in LA. <laughs> after it's getting fired, after getting fired. Yeah. Like it's, it's just crazy. Like it's, I'm telling you, about, you got to get into coaching. Yeah. <laughs> fucking eat, eat pizza all day and cash me out five mil. Fucking yeah. draw some X's and O's. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. That's definitely interesting how that pay scale has changed. And uh, yeah. just, uh, it's, I guess it's in about time in a way, because obviously college coaching and, and coaching, you know, some of these coaches in the NBA and probably the NFL and stuff like that, yeah. you know, hockey's just kind of slowly maybe catching up, but. It's still a lot of money for guys that haven't done a whole, whole lot of not winning a cup. And then, you know, I know uh, Craig Simpson had some, some, some comments today about the uh, the Ralph Kruger hiring. He was not for it at all. So you know, he's mm-hmm. very vocal about it. So we'll see, see how he does there. He got a three year deal. I don't know if that will be something new where coaches try to get where the teams try to get the three years instead of the five years. But uh, yeah, some the track, right? Yeah, yeah, that. I, I was surprised coaches were give, getting, like, five-year deals. I mean, obviously, Babcock, Coach Q, your top-end guys. But yeah, a three-year deal seems safe for me because there's, there's not a lot of GMs that stay around for, say, even five years. No, no, exactly. Right? So, like, these guys are getting these five-year deals. Like, I know Bugner probably had in Florida 
think he got a four-year deal, and he's already gone by the second year. Yeah. So, yeah, I really did. Yeah, he just finished out his second year, and then that was yeah. it. Yeah, so, uh, like I said, I'm getting into coaching now. Forget forget my chances of playing in the NHL. I'm going to be a coach. And then forget about refing. So. No, was, <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, you had a doozy last night. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy, that Dirty Birds team. Uh, they're a handful. We'll say that. <laughs> a handful. Uh, 15 years. This is their last year. The retirement tour. The retirement is, uh... tour. I'll tell you, they're making they're making a name for themselves out there. On the retirement tour. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever been called a fucking fat ass and dummy more in my life. Uh, oh, that's. Well. Uh, you should see how the chat is. Oh, I, I yeah, I was texting you yesterday. If I have so power, fuck, if add I have me in the chat. To... I want to. I want to keep going with these guys. Let's go. Yeah. Well, I'll see what I can do. So, <laughs> no, no, I no. Talk to the GM. No. So, <laughs> who's the GM? Uh, Bobby Cantera. The was, best he ball was he there yesterday? No, you know he wasn't. He was in Toronto, I believe. Oh. So, you'll be there on Thursday though, tomorrow night. But, oh, uh, yeah, that should be a fun number game. forty-four. That... GM is what we call him, aka Bobo. So, Bobo, okay. Yeah, I I ref tomorrow, but I think they're at the west. I'm at the south, so yeah, it's all good. All right, well, we'll finish on that. Um, we, uh, again, uh, look forward to uh, bringing you guys more uh, interviews here, and thanks for the support. And uh, you guys, I know we kind of tweet out some questions, and some guys are a bit hesitant on probably asking them, but uh, you guys want to chime in. You know, this is your podcast too, so don't, uh, I don't know, don't feel shy. You guys want to ask a question to these guys, we'll, we'll uh, definitely ask them on, on the podcast here for you. We've done it before, so. Yeah. Um, and uh, anything to add there, Petra, before we go? Nope. Just uh, like you said, if you guys think you got a good question, send it in and we'll uh, we'll give you the credit during the interview and say you asked the question because Lord knows yeah, I, I can't think of very many things when I'm talking. So you never know. Someone might think of something you don't and yeah, if, you get and a good answer. Are, yeah. And, and about the audio, if you know, I know the audio has been off, up and off and on on the pod where we're uh i'm working on that so it's on my end that has nothing to do with the people that we're getting yeah. and their connection that's the, the connection that i'm working with so uh so we hope to improve that going forward here and um yeah again that's that's all we have for yeah. for this week we'll chat next week and uh, uh see you guys around the rink with your long ball uh, awards 